Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as you know, the Northeast got hit with Hurricane Ida. And uh, let's just say WRKM was a casualty of um, Ida. Not really. Okay. It, like, there was a flood, but it was like not even that bad, really. So, to be honest, we could be in the studio right now. We could be. But uh, safety precautions from the local government have told us to stay out. So we will be staying out. Our friends over at the Wave 108.8 let us use their studio. But it's like not even their best studio. So I guess they're getting us back for all this shit we talked about the last time we were here. Um, I believe we called them a Bush League radio station. Fair. Fair. Definitely our fault. We just didn't see the value in um, the wave. You know, giving us the opportunity to sit here and be able to broadcast while our home was... I don't even know what was going on that week, really. WRKM just like to uh, throw us all around. When it was me and the Wonderkin. The Wonderkin says hello. He does live. And remember, homemade tacos are better than Taco Bell. Piece of advice from the Wonderkin. I'm here with producer Kyle. Um... He doesn't get a mic. I've explained that last week. He's not allowed to speak. I'm not entirely sure if he's a real child, to be honest with you. He looks a little different. He looks older than he should. He shouldn't have grays at this tender age of, I believe, what, 15? That's bad. I don't know what's going on there. He tells me it's this weird condition everyone's in his family. I call that a a gimmick. He's definitely a 45-year-old midget. And I will get to the bottom of this one day. But you know, I could see him being president someday. He has that dumb face. That dumb George Bush kind of face. He's going to talk his way into something. Maybe not the presidency. Maybe Kyle, you'll... You'll at least get to, like, local congressman. Like, you'll talk your way there somehow. Well, uh, I really like, I really like politics. Okay. What else do you like? Well, I, I like waffles. Well, that's cool. People like waffles and, and politics. I kind of like this guy. Let's have him around more often. That's how it's going to happen. Something stupid like that. Some goof. That's how Kyle's life's going to turn out. He's going to make it just by being there. Sometimes being, well, sometimes the surrounding does matter, though. You know, it does matter. Wherever you are, you want to be in a place that's optimal for you. Whether that's the physical realm, spiritual realm, mental, just life stuff. You always want to be in a good space. You always want to be in a space that values you. I um, saw a great meme that I won't directly quote. Come on, I'm going to grab my phone. I'm lazy. I've mentioned that several times on the show. I just won't do things if I don't have to do them. But he showed a bottle of water. 
And then his caption was, you know, a bottle of water. This is me paraphrasing, by the way. Can have any value. It can be $2 at the store. $5 at the club. 50 somewhere in the restaurant like that. You know what I mean? It all depends on what the the location values the water at. And, you know, that's a very high concept for a lot of people. And I think I saw a lot of friends when I put that meme up telling me, like, man, I really needed that today. Like, I really needed someone to remind me of that. Because we do sometimes devalue ourselves with our thoughts, you know, we're already devaluing ourselves every day with some of our dumb actions that we do. You know, some will, well, at least us personally, we'll be like our own personal Carfax and we'll point out all the little dings, a broken taillight, oh, he's got a dent on that door. We're not very fair to ourselves for the most part. So we devalue ourselves in our mind. But in doing so, we also devalue ourselves at the people and they don't value us at a level as they should. And then that's when you have these constant conversations as you get older. And you'll learn this, producer Kyle, that you're always going to have these conversations of what is my worth? What is my value to you know, my, my family? What is my value to my friends? What is my value to society? What is my value to my job? All these things. Just, it's just a constant trying to figure out what's your worth. It's not a real easy you know, thing to figure out. Now, you don't want you don't want to overvalue yourself, because then if you do, you're kind of a dick, and we all know those dudes. You know what I mean? Who are, who don't deserve the high praise, but they get it, they totally get it, and you can't really blame them for it. You know, they they've convinced other people that's the value because they see themselves as that high value you know target, that high value client, that piece of the puzzle. You can't necessarily, I would say, have that confidence all the time. You know, there is a value to being humble. You know, it's it's a stock market, it's a social stock market, social currency. You know, you're always trying to, you know, buy more stock in, you know, other people. And then, you know, sell right when they're at their peak. You know, when you know it can only go down from here. A lot of jobs do that. Like they, they get the best out of a young person and then toss him away as he gets older because he's no use to them. You know, he doesn't have the energy to continue the way he used to do it. But it is something to watch people you know personally, or not really personally, or people you you know by acquaintance be able to do that. You know, know their value and see someone pay them that value. You know, we here are pro wrestling fans. And every Wednesday I watch All Elite Wrestling and one of the people up there I happen to know through friends and hung out with several times, Santana. You know, him and Ortiz are a tag team at AEW and they're an amazing tag team. They've wrestled plenty of places. I've watched that dude wrestle in some weird place in Staten Island to a club in Queens. You know, I've been in the Heights with him. You know, I've had conversations with this dude. And... He always knew his value, at least from what I saw. Like, from what I gathered, I'm like, that guy knows who he is, and he knows what he has to offer. I don't doubt that he had moments where he questioned himself. Everyone does. You know, you're not a human if you don't. But he always felt like he, he had an idea, 
and we would laugh, you know, like about like like not like you know mockingly, but like lovingly, like yo, that ex thinks he's the best. You know what I mean? And no one's gonna tell him different. You know, that was something that we really enjoyed. So watching him now be on one of the biggest stages, if not right now the hottest stage in pro wrestling, doing it at a high level, you know, seeing that drive and determination, that's magical for me. Like it's such a it's such a great feeling I get. Whenever I see him on TV, I'm like, damn, he did it. You know, he knew his worth and he got it. Now, that doesn't mean he always got it. It took him a while to get there. You know, before guys end up on your TV, they could be wrestling as long as 10 years already. You know, some of them start when they're 18. You know, so like you're, you're, see, you're seeing guys at a certain age. They seem new to you, they seem younger to you because they're just on your TV. But no, they've been doing it for a long time. You also have your WWE recruits who they get from a bodybuilder competition in six months. They're wrestling on NXT. So there's, there's a wide range. But for, a lot, for the best guys, you're seeing them at a very later stage in their career when they're TV ready. So to see that, you know, it just always reminds me to know my worth as to the best of my ability. There's something about pro wrestling that constantly talks about worth. You know, this thing about CM Punk for a minute, right? The whole entire reason he left WWE was about what he valued himself at and what he valued other guys in the locker room at. And it's impressive, you know, that how the narrative gets spun, you know, like when he left, everyone was like, yeah, you know, fuck the system. They were fucking Daniel Bryan at the time. You know what I mean? Not giving him the main event push everyone felt he should get. But kind of because of CM Punk leaving and the entire fan um, backlash, they had to now push Daniel Bryan to WrestleMania that year. And they had to make changes. But the Punk portion, that's the part that always gets glorified that they did that. But the Punk portion always gets vilified at some point. It's like everyone, oh, he's selfish. How could he walk away? Oh, he went to go do UFC. Why? You know, you're not a real fighter. You're not a real wrestler, dude. Like, it, fine. That guy was chasing a dream. I don't know if I would have done it. But, hey, that's a different guy than I. You know, good for him, though. He had to realize that dream. That's a lot better than a lot of other guys have. He knew his worth. I'm coming off this hot TV on WWE. Let me get me a UFC contract. Can't hate it. Can't hate it. Knew his worth. It was worth, and a lot of guys don't like it. They don't like the fact that he got away with that shit, but you know what? It's like fighting has always been a circus. The sanctity of boxing has been dead, really, to me for years. The sanctity of UFC, like, I don't know if I ever had it. I always just looked at, oh, no, for now it's a great league, and they do what's right by the fans for the most part, but I know there's some other shit going on. Like, I know, like, there are going to be times where it's like, okay, they're doing they're doing business, brother. You know, however anyone wants to see what doing business is. But now this guy knew his worth. He walked away. Not wrestling. He stuck to his guns. I'm not wrestling. Not doing it. Did movies. Wrote comic books. The mystique was growing. Man, like he's never really going to wrestle. So we need to now value 
all these other things he gives us because this is what we're going to get now. No one is value. All right. They, they don't just like me because I'm a wrestler. They like what I represent. So if I go and write a Marvel comic, I can bring numbers to that comic. If I can go do that little director on VOD movie, bam, I can bring people to watch that movie. I have a fan base that will support something that I do. Smart. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't even look at that from a business perspective, like as a freedom perspective. That is an amazing feat. And I'll always applaud something like that. He really knew. I can go out and do this. They got me. Now you have AEW appear as a competition to the old WWE that everybody knows. You know, Hogan, you know, Macho Man, all that. You know them. This is an institution. And it's just been resting on its laurels this entire time. Like, it's done some really cool stuff here and there. But nothing where you're like, all right, like, this is taking it to the next level. Their developmental territory does. But not like their real main roster, you know, production. AEW is doing it with just one roster. Just with old guys, new guys, guys in the middle of their career. They're like, we're putting on a show. You know, we're doing pro wrestling, you know. So it's very interesting to see that appear. And that alternative to WWE is what brings Punk back. You know, he... You know, people always said never say never in a sense with him because they were like, you know, Vince always gets his boys back. You know, no matter how pissed they are at him, they always go back because, let's be honest, he was the only guy in town. So, like, where are you going to go for your Legends contract? You want that wrestler? It's kind of like a wrestler pension. You go to Vince because he's got the money to do it. But now there's something else. Maybe Vince don't always get his boys back. He's the first one, I think, that's going to be the one to leave Vince and never go back. I think if AEW is still successful, he is going to give his all to that company. And they have clearly given whatever he wants, like, they've given it to him. Merch, the whatever matches he wants, he's clearly, he's clearly gotten his value. And now is another thing about it, like when he left. People did not think he was moving the needle. Like, even Marx was saying this at some point. And it was weird to me. Because even the Marx were like, yeah, he really didn't move the needle. And they were taking the WWE side on this. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, they're chanting CM Punk, but they're like, oh, no, but he didn't move the needle. But it's just fun to chant, you know, fuck the WWE. Uh. But you didn't believe in him. He shows up on AEW television. The whole... Twitterverse stops. Sports Illustrated's talking about it. ESPN's talking about it. All the major sports publications are talking about it. Variety's talking about it. And WWE let that guy go. Because they didn't see the value in him. Even though he had been proving it for like years before that. No, we don't see you like that. We don't see you like that. You're not that guy for us. You're not the guy we're going to send to do TV shows and stuff. But he knew he could be that guy. He found a company that's going to let him be that guy. That's great. You know, that's knowing your worth. On a, on a, not even on a business level, just on a freedom level. Just being a creative. He knew his worth. 
And that's nice. And that's something like I'm really thinking about knowing your worth. And it's, and there's so many ways to look at it. Like, you know, just the other day, you know, Daphne of WCW and TNA fame, she passed away. You know, she committed suicide. Did she know her value? You know, how did, did she know how much she meant to so many people? I don't know. I think she did. I think there's a very weird misconception about people who do commit suicide. They don't know that they're loved. They know that they're loved. They just don't know if they're, they can be healed, I think. I think for them, that's the end. It's like, I can't be healed. Nothing to fix this. This is where it's going. You know, she was a, a joyful person. You know, she showed up on WCW as this, you know, goth girl rocker, you know, hanging out with Crowbar and David Flair. And she was cool. She did hurricanes and shit. She didn't mind getting, you know, into hardcore matches. You know, in TNA, she was hanging out with Dr. Stevie, you know, who was like a weird, you know, it was Stephen Richards doing this weird doctor gimmick where he's like a weird psychiatrist that can get people to do shit. It was a weird time in TNA. But wherever, wherever she was, she always gave 110%. You never felt like she phoned it in. Whatever gimmick, whatever match, all of it. She really, truly gave it her all. Because there was something, I think, in that where she valued that, ad, that admiration. It filled up whatever needed to be filled up. You know? They say a lot about those kind of celebrities. And celebrities in general, actually, all performers. They need that adulation to fill themselves up. You know? They're missing something. But I think she had that in the end. You know, I think she I think she knew how loved she was. But I think it's the understanding I think those people are looking for. Because she said, you know, she had put her video up on Instagram beforehand, on live. You know, and she was like, I just feel so alone. So you guys don't get it, I feel alone. And I think that's something beyond love. You know, I think that's something beyond, you know, hug. I think that's understanding. And I think that's where that is, you know. So if you cannot understand, you know, or find a connection with someone else to understand you, you don't think highly of your value. You know, she wasn't able to think, you know, like she wasn't able to see how much value she had to everyone else because no one truly understood what it meant to generate that where that came from. And in the very end, she asked that her brain be, you know, donated to Boston. So you can run the CTE stuff on it to find out like if that played a part in all this, even in the end, still giving to the business that she loves. Like I have, and, and maybe that was her knowing her value in the end. Like this struggle, I cannot fight anymore, but in this end, there's a value this can help CT research. Like you had like, and you have to almost try to like rationalize it. Cause it's so sad because she was such an amazing talent and such an amazing lady. I've never like, there are very few people in business in this wrestling business that does not have a terrible story about them, but you can't find a single one about her. And that's something I, I, I think I always admired from afar. Like, anytime someone did an interview, they always, like, when people give me a shout-out to Daphne, you'd be like, nice, like, someone appreciates what she brought to the table. Someone, you know, knew her value. So I guess with that, you know, portion of the show, I would say know your value. 
you know, the best you can. And if you're not getting it in the place you are, then you got to go find that value somewhere else. And don't be afraid to go for it. You know, it's going to be a weird, you know, transition, but go for it. You know, find a place where you feel most loved and dedicate yourself to it. Or where you feel most valued and dedicate yourself to it. Because there's a lot of reward there. Weird motivational from one Rafael Martinez on a show called This Will End in Darkness. But this is what we do here. This is what we do. When we come back, there is a storm. There were some aliens, apparently. And I'm very confused by Texas. When this will end in darkness. Continue. more this one than darkness when people value being right they really do they really like value being I think that's what's happening now with everything I think everyone just has an addiction to being right like there are people who study things they have no interest in just so they can be right when that conversation comes up because everyone wants to be right 100% of the time. Everyone has to have the, the, the correct take on everything. You know, never mind that some people can't, here comes the burn, can't be on Twitter all the time or, you know, have CNN on all the time, you know? So like, I, I often see the cross-section on Facebook of people who aren't fully up-to-date on everything versus the people who are up-to-date on everything, you know? And it's, it's, it's some kind of weird gratification and being able to correct someone and being able to go like, oh, well, he didn't know, but I, I, I put him on, I told him, you know? I, I got him to get it, you know? And it's like, yeah, but, you know, he, he probably hadn't read that article yet, you know? And he probably hadn't heard this news story yet. It, it and like I always see a lot on the um, unemployment page. I'm still on there, um, seeing how everyone else is doing over there. But like people who put up articles from like two days ago, and someone's like, "That's from two days ago, dummy." And it's like, "All right, like fucking relax." Like maybe that person didn't know, you know? Like that's just how it is. You don't have the time to to be right all the time. And you always see it after events happen. You know, like recently with the Afghan, you know. I mean, what do we call it? Withdrawal, I guess. You know, like, people were like, oh, I would have done it differently. I would I would have handled that different, very differently. You know, Ben Shapiro has probably, you know, got a billion plans for how Biden should have handled it differently. One of my favorite things, though, is, like, when the storm came by. What I love about natural disasters is the people who are, like, of faith, who are, like, hyper into it, love to come out. They're the first ones out. Going, well, had you read the Bible, you would have been prepared for this flood. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, in what chapter? 
does Jesus say Brooklyn is fucked? You know what I mean? Like not not in any of them. I didn't see it. When did he like leave blueprints for levies? I hear. Someone was like, you know, had you read, you know, Noah's Ark recently, you would have known that this would be coming. That you know he's really angry with all of us, and it's like really angry now. We've done way worse stuff than now. Two atomic bombs. Two. Come on. But I always love it. You know, they come out. You know, they're addicted to that. You know, my my book told me that this was going to happen. I told you, you know, like, and no one listened to me. And it's like, what did you do during this flood? You know, did you create a, a ghetto arc of Timberlands and shit? You know, you ripped them apart and tied them all together. Did you get two of every um, rat in New York to make sure we kept the species going? Two of every cockroach? Stray dogs? Stray cats? Did you get two of every hobo? Because, you know, Union Square hobos are not the same as Grand Central hobos. You got to keep it all together. Did you get a pepperoni slice and a cheese slice? Like, did, did you build this ark? Telling me to read Noah's Ark again. Who's got, who had the time to build one before the hurricane came? We knew for a few days, granted, but I don't have the, the wood. It was, it was a weird take. Like, had you read Noah's Ark, you'd be prepared for this flood. Who's got, like, a, a random boat laying around? I am thinking now that, you know, I'm still going to be in New York. I should probably get, like, a, an inflatable raft. This might become the norm. I don't want to be caught, you know. I don't want to be stuck inside, you know. I still want to be able to go pick up, you know, food from my favorite places, even though it's a hurricane outside. Probably get like a little, I don't know if they do an inflatable one from motor. That'd be kind of cool though. But this is the norm now. This is the norm. And like, yes, is it climate change? Sure. Totally is. But I wish the climate people would, you know, stop being a dick about it. You know, it's like, all right, we get it. You know, you've been saying it for years, you know. Someone said the other day, all the crackpot scientists were right. I'm like, no, they weren't. Like, there's no mutant DNA. There's no X gene. There's no Captain America's running around. Like, not everyone, you know, who was worried about the future was correct. There's no Gundams running around. Yeah, it's... they're, They're taking a certain enjoyment at being right. Like, it was a little weird. Like, they were, like, just constantly throwing up all these videos of, like, you know, floods and, you know, people who are just, you know, struggling throughout the storm. Just, like, you see? You see what man has done? And it's, like, who's hel- who's that helping? Who's that helping but you? Now you're, 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 you're getting high off being right because you're also terrified that you were right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who wants to be right about that shit? Nobody. I wouldn't want to be right about the apocalypse. No. But there are those who do, you know, like after Trump got elected, like, I'll be honest, I was a little excited because like I told you, I told you it happened. You, you didn't think about it. I, I saw it. And I took a little bit of enjoyment on election night with that. I did. I gotta admit, but I also was a little terrified that I was right. That he actually won. Well, fuck. I stopped predicting things a long time ago. I'm, not, I'm done with that shit. 
But yeah, like everyone, I think now is just in this really huge race to be right. And I think we got to take a little more time with things. You know, the I do appreciate Twitter having the quick take on it because it does get me to go, oh, I have you seen this thing on Twitter? I know about it now and I'm, I'm well versed. Very happy that I know, you know, what's going on with Iggy Azalea today. You know, or I'm very excited that, you know, Blastoise is getting obliterated all over Twitter for having a suit. Someone say look like Patrice O'Neal. I was like, that's fucked up. Patrice is dead, man. Uh, man, I miss Patrice O'Neal. He would have enjoyed it. Blastoise is also my favorite Pokemon. So I'm, I'm taking it some type of way. Like the way Drake fans get upset when no one likes his albums is the way I feel about Blastoise. That's my guy. He's got cannons in his shell. Like, that was the coolest shit in the original 150 Pokemon. Charizard, I felt, was like, he's just a regular dragon. There was nothing special about him. I didn't, I didn't ask his kids deep down like fire. Because we're cavemen when we're kids. You know what I mean? We're still apes. So we're still amazed by fire. But I was always a water type trainer. I love the water. I used to get away with so much fucking murder with the water Pokemon. Me, Blastoise, and Mr. Mime... It's game over. Mr. Mime is the greatest Pokemon has ever been. I can beat anyone with a Mr. Mime and just one Mr. Mime alone. Do not test me. Do not test me. I've been playing Pokemon recently. It's Beat Shield. Let me tell you, Mr. Rhyme, the Mr. Mime evolution, handled, dog. I figured him out all the way. I can, I can beat everybody with a Mr. Rhyme, a Mr. Mime, and a Blastoise. Can't be beat. Can't be beat. People are saying, oh, I don't know. All right. I'm telling you. Sleep on it. Test it one day. That's why I killed your Pokemon, you fat mother. (laughs) Hit him up, Pokemon star. Yeah, man. Everyone just wants to be right. I, I know I want to be right about aliens. Like, I know I do. Like, I'm fully aware I want to be right on aliens so bad. Just so I can, like, justify all the teasing that happened when I was a kid. <laughs> like, like, believing in them. Like, oh, that's stupid, man. There are no aliens. And I'm like, okay, but you in Catholic school with me, though, right? Like, you, you see what's going on here? We're praying to space Jesus, man. Come on, man. If you can believe in God, you mean God's not going to make aliens, too? I would get bored with just humans, to be honest with you. We're boring. Like, we were boring for a while. I think he's got, like, a whole bunch of other planets where he's got some cool-ass people. And, like, he's just, you know, breeding us on each planet for the ultimate tournament on some Dragon Ball Z shit. That's what's happening. That's the third testament. They'll find out in a few years. Illuminati. Get ready. But no, like... I do think that there has to be aliens out there. And I think, like, the Pentagon recently, we were originally going to do a segment on the on the last um, Pentagon report, but there's no reason to. Like, it, it doesn't... They didn't throw out anything that was a bombshell, really, other than these craft we don't believe are aliens, but we still don't know what they are. That's a non-answer. It's not a real answer. Who, who is that appeasing? You know, it's only, it's, it's such a bureaucratic appeasement. 
because essentially what you're saying is like we're we're not ready to tell you they're aliens yet. We're just not ready. Because there's no way. There's no way no fucking military has that shit. And I think because the value they place on that answer of are we alone will change everything. How we feel about our place in the universe will change completely. Like I've already given into that concept that there are other, you know, species on other planets. You know, I know the Wonderkin, you know, he's still waiting to be convinced a little bit, but he has seen the documentaries. And that South Africa story was crazy. But it's just one of those things where how do you respect the government at that point? Like you're not the galactic government. There's a government above you. You can't even catch the aliens. Why am I listening to you now? Now you got riots. You know, you already had riots recently, but now you got riots again. But I do think that there's some, I do see why the Pentagon would hold it back, but I do see all the benefits. Like knowing there is a, you know, species out there that is far beyond us. It, I think it would get our act together a little bit. Like I do think it would work. It's such a huge thing that other life can do what we can do somewhere else. So we're not necessarily that special. Or maybe we'll find the special in each other a little bit more because we know it is another, you know, species out there. And they're unique in their own way. So we have to embrace what makes us unique in response. Who knows? It'd be dope. But I don't, I'm not sure. Like I'm not sure how society would respond to that. You know, I'm not sure how I would respond to it if they had definitive proof that it were aliens, like an alien body. I don't know how I would respond to that. That'd be so weird. It's it's like looking at an like that like the first time you ever seen like an alien in a movie as a kid. Like you don't know how to perceive that. Like, you know it's a guy in a suit, so you're not that, like, you're not terrified of it. But you're still like, oh, that looks, you know, fucked up. Look at those jaws. And and we don't make too many fun aliens, actually. We are always petrified of aliens coming. We never make really cool, chill aliens. You know, aliens. Aliens. You know, we never make the ones that want to hang out. You know, get to know us. See our art. Play some music. You know, we don't get too many of those. Because we are afraid that, holy shit, if... There's aliens, like, they're going to kick our ass. They have way better technology than us, which is fair. They probably do, and rightfully so. I don't think we're ready for alien technology. I don't think the government has it. If the government had it already, they'd be using it already. Some would say, like, the B-2 bombers and all that, if you look at that, that can be UFO-ish. You know, some other weapons, the hydrogen bombs, like that, that can be UFO-ish. But I'm not sure. I'm not entirely convinced. But they would have to use that alien technology. They'd they'd be too tempted to do it. If they were able to split atoms with just what we have here, imagine what they can do with something that was a little bit more advanced. But I think they know, man. I think they know. I think they know, and they know how scary that answer is. That answer will make or break society, I think. Maybe that's overhyping it. Or maybe I'm putting my value on it. You know, I'm putting a higher value on it than maybe it should. Maybe it won't do all that. 
Maybe like when they first started doing it during the pandemic, no one gave a shit because there was a pandemic or there was, you know, anti-vaxxers versus vaxxers or there was Democrats versus Republicans, whether there was this constant search, you know, for identity. What does that mean? Because, you know, now that we've gotten rid of religion, you know, we're now looking for a new thing to believe in. What's that? What's my identity? What's this? You know, even though looking for your identity is fine, but at some point you got to make peace with it and move forward. Like everything can't be determined by it. You know, you can't have a society that way. So hopefully we get past that phase sooner rather than later. Because the alien thing is important. The climate change thing is important. But we're really getting caught up in a lot of these little details. You know. It's a little scary. But I do think that the alien answer could do something. Maybe not drastically change the world, but push it in the right direction. Loosen a little bit some of these restrictions because we're going to need to unite together in case some bad shit happens. So maybe you see a bit more, you know, negotiation from the two political parties. Like, listen, like, we got to get these votes, but at the same time, like, when the aliens come, you got me, right? All right, cool. So I'll give you a little bit of something, you give me a little something. Because now we have to be united. There's something else. Who knows? Who knows? We stay tuned to how the world spins. We stay tuned. At the end of the day, that's right. It's all crumbling down. But you know what? We put value on this studio, even though it makes weird creaky noises and stuff. We put value on it because it's a special place where special talks get to happen. On the wave, 108.8. There, I did it. I promoted the radio station. That was nice. You can clip that, and I'll put it wherever you want. You're welcome. Shout out to our sponsor, Brokey Beer. Brokey Beer, thank you. They sent me a case recently, and I got to admit, it wasn't bad. They're getting better. I guess they're taking the criticism that I have broadcasted to heart. And it's looking pretty good. I'll have a review next week of the latest batch. But I'm telling you, it's tasty. It's tasty. Well, Kyle has to report to his probation officer, probably. Because 15 year old my ass, alright? He looks like fucking Doctor Strange. With his little grays on the side. I know what's going on here. This is a gimmick. I'm going to find out what the hell's going on here. And I... I have other stuff to do. WRKM will be back harder than ever. Last week, they pumped out all the water in the basement, so we'll be. I think we'll be fine now. Studio is probably overrun with germs, but I'm already vaxxed, so I think I can survive anything now. I'm a mutant now, according to my DNA. Spike proteins cannot stop me. I cannot be killed. I'm the best of all time. I can fight Jake Paul, dog. 
Like, get me a mic phone. I can fight Jake Paul. And I'll win. I'll cut the promo and I'll win. Because here's the thing about me and Jake Paul, right? Damn, I was going to end this show, but now I'm not. Listen, I can beat Jake Paul. Because I am not going to take a dive the way Tyrone Woodley did. He looked like a bum. And the sad part was, I'm used to his bummy tactics in UFC. He fights like that all the time. But he was extra bummy in the replays I saw. So bummy. I'm disgusted. But I can fight Jake Paul and win. Because I have heart. And I value knocking that cracker out. Then again, if I fight Jake Paul, I think we all know how that's going to end.